Psalm 139. I'm going to read, if you could just bear with us, it'll take a minute or two. But I'd like to read through verse number 18. So you think on this as we read it. Think about what the psalmist is saying. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sittings and my uprisings. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compasseth my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but, Lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid Thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain to it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand Lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise Thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are Thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from Thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in Thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. I believe we'll stop there. So I believe you could say this that David looks and tries to give us some little glimpse into what he sees as God's control, God's being around him, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-ability. I believe that we could see that, that David said, you know, Lord, you know me. And you know, I'd like to say this. Don't forget the use of the word know in the Bible. It's more than a knowledge in the head. (laughs) Oh, I tell you, it's to know. He said in the book of Amos, You, of all the people on the face of the earth, You, Israel, you're the only ones that I've known. I tell you what a relationship that God has with His people. It's different than, and you might disagree, but it's a different relationship than the relationship with the rest of the world that's lost and undone. I tell you, we have a relationship that is wonderful, that is beyond, uh, according to verse number 6, such knowledge. Just the first five verses, you've compassed me about, You've encircled me. You've known me. You've known my down-sitting, my uprising, when I lay down, when I get up, what I'm going to say. There's not a word that's going to proceed out of my mouth that you don't already know it before it comes out. This is beyond, David says in verse 6, it's beyond my comprehension. It's beyond my ability to take it in. But the climax, (laughs) I believe the climax (laughs) is verse 13 through verse number 18. So let's look at this.
and look at the knowledge of God. The climax of God's providence, God's working in the lives of those that come to salvation. And I do say that, that come to salvation. You know, Greg made a statement this morning that those that God does a work in, they're going to stay. I would say this. I believe that is 1,000% biblical. But it could be that there are people that have made a profession that can't stay. Don't give up on them. Don't give up on them, but we seek after them. We continue to reach for them. We don't know. I say there's people sitting here today that have made professions early in life possibly that God did a work that lasted. You might have done something. The preacher might have done something. The Sunday school teacher, mother or daddy, may have prompted you and got a profession out of you. But I tell you, when God Almighty does the work, what He does according to the Word of God is forever. You read that in the Proverbs or the Ecclesiastes. I'm not sure. But let's look at the work of God. Verse number 13. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Thou hast possessed. So that word there means to be to be erect or to be created. Thou hast created, thou hast brought to erect my reins. So that word there really, it's the word kidney, but it's what we hear today as the heart. The, in Hebrew, in the Hebrew time, in the Bible days, in Old Testament days, they thought that the kidney was the most, in, 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 the most uh, uh, inward part of man. We would say today, the heart of man. But, but what is, it's really the same thought, and the thought is this, the most innermost part of your being. It is the seat of the thoughts, the emotion, and the actions of man. So God, God is doing a work, David says here, for thou hast possessed my inmost being the seat of my affection, of my emotions, Lord, You have possessed, You have created there. And where was it? Thou has covered me in my mother's womb. So that word there, what a wonderful word. It means to weave together, to knit together, to frame. Lord, You formed Lord, You have formed me in my mother's womb. God, You have knit it all together. So as you think about that, he, he says in Ecclesiastes, who can know how the bones are formed in the womb? Who knows that? Can, can man look at that? <laughs> no, no man can't look at that, but God is seeing that. And God is not only seeing that, God is doing that. God is causing that all to happen. So as you think about this, you know, from week, from let's say week zero, let's say from fertilization to week number 10, in the, in the coming about of a human being, that's called the embryo or the embryonic stage. So, you know, this is amazing to me. Almighty God. Now, just think for a moment. At the end of week 10, the nervous system is being developed. 
the circulatory system is being developed. The heart has been developed. The brain, the nervous, back to the nervous system. And the hands are like little paddles. And the feet are like little flippers. And at the end of ten weeks, one inch long. But God saw all of that before it ever happened. <laughs> I tell you how great, how great that our God is. How great. So he says this. Lord, Thou possess me. Thou possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me. So again, that word means to weave or to knit together. The frame of man. I will praise Thee for Thou, I will praise Thee for I am fearfully. So that word means to be in awe or a reverence. So there's a reverence because I am, it, it just is an awe to me and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. So that word means distinguished. Isn't it amazing that God has never made two alike? Today, we have around 8 billion people upon the face of the earth, and no two are alike. Yet it is God who formed, I believe He says in Jeremiah, formed me in my mother's womb. Lord, You knew me before You ever formed me in my mother's womb. God is the one knitting it all together. He's talking about, he's talking about a work. He's talking about a knitting or a weaving. And the word really is a needle work. It's a work of the needle. And you talk about a work that takes precision and a work that takes hands-on and a work that takes dedication and a work. You know, God, God's got a picture. God's got a picture before He ever starts the work. And here is man at the end of ten weeks in the embryonic stage that man is one inch long naturally speaking. Man is an inch and yet all of this work has been done by the hand of God on the inside by the Word of God. The Word of God in the womb of the woman in the lowest parts of the earth. You know, I don't really know anything I can sew a button on. It's about, about all I can do. But I can tell you this experience this week. I took my phone and turned the magnifier on and held it right here to my hand. And with the other hand, or, or I had it, I guess, under my chin. But with the other hand, I had a needle. And you know what I was trying to do? I was trying to do some needlework in my hand. God Almighty is doing needlework in the creation of mankind. God is doing needlework in the workings of man being brought into the kingdom of God. Uh, what I really want to get to is I want to get to past the natural birth. If God is so involved in the natural birth, how involved and how intricate is the work of God in the spiritual birth? I mean, if we're talking about a birth, a friend that is spiritual, uh, let me just read a little bit more before I get alpha, alpha target. I praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. So the psalmist was looking at a work that was revealed through the soul. He didn't say, my mind knoweth. He said in verse number 6, it's beyond my comprehension how that you're doing all of this, God. It's beyond my comprehension that you can know my thoughts and know my words, and you encircle me, and you know when I lay down and when I get up, and you know every thought, and God, it's beyond my comprehension, but my soul has come to understand this. So we need something that will enlighten us to the work of God, don't we? We really need a new birth. We really need a work of God done that's beyond as amazing as this is, as grand as it is, as uncomprehensible as it is to me. I think about this, and you know, just just think with me for just a moment. The second birth. If there, if this, look at this great work. Look at this needlework, and you know that needlework. There's no no place, I believe, that you could see any greater needlework in the Bible than the clothing that went on the high priest. That was his covering made with needlework. And it had all of these colors all of these colors went together. And we could read about the robe. We could read about the robe that, that, that the priest wore. And, and, and the Bible talks about this, that when they made the robe, they made a collar on it. They put a collar on it, and that was out of the needlework, and it was fixed that it could not be ripped. Do you remember what they did with the garments of the Lord Jesus Christ? You remember they parted His garment and His robe. They cast lots for it. It was a garment that could not be ripped. It was a garment that could not be rent. So now I want you to think about what you and I are clothed with. Think about what God has done for us. He has robed us with that, ladies and gentlemen, that cannot be ripped off, cannot be torn apart, will not be uh, 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 desecrated, will not be destroyed. I tell you, thank God He made a robe for us out of the great needlework. Uh, friend, He made you and I to be priests of God. So now, now look and think with me. Listen to what he says. Thou hast possessed my reins, so God is the creator of the heart of man. The seat of the emotions, the thoughts, the affection, God is the creator of that. And has covered me so knit together. He has woven that all together. So here you and I are. We're woven. It's a woven work. It's a work of God Almighty. Who gave the direction to, to make that ephod, to make that robe, to make the garments of the high priest? He, that direction came from God. You and I, ladies and gentlemen, we are woven. We are a, a woven work. We are a work of God Almighty. We are a work, and God is doing that work in the dark. I'm going to dig a splinter out of my finger, and I'm going to get a magnifier, and the best light I can get to dig a splinter out of my finger, and God Almighty is doing His work in the dark. Man can't even comprehend, cannot see, cannot let his eye look on the work of God. Isn't that amazing? Where is that work going on? I will praise thee, for I am fearfully. It's an awesome, I tell you what it is, it's amazing. It's amazing. 
I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, marvelous, distinguished, and that my soul knoweth right well. (laughs) My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought. Curiously wrought. There is that word again, needlework. So this word covered me to knit and to weave together. Verse number 16, I mean verse number 15, and curiously wrought. So there's that word again, the needlework, the intricate work. Now you imagine this. Imagine that that somebody would be sitting in here today with a mechanical watch. A mechanical watch. You ever had to back off of a mechanical watch? Isn't it amazing? Maybe you've got a grandfather clock at your house. And maybe you can maybe you can look through the side glass and you can look at all of those little gears and all those little mechanisms in there. Can I work on that? But God is working on all of that intricacy in the dark. Out of the sight of man. Out out of the realization of man, God is doing a work so precise. What a wise God. What an intelligent God. What a loving God. What a God of preciseness. What a God that could weave man. Now you just imagine... Imagine if we could today, if we could have a man frozen and we could, do a, we could do a slice of the man and you could see all of the nerves and all of the sinews and all of the bones and all the blood vessels and all of the skin and all of the muscle. Imagine that you could do that. God is doing every bit of that and bringing that together in the dark. But there's a greater work than that. It's the work of the new birth. If this is grand, as I was reading on this, this is what I thought of. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, Paul writes to the people down at Corinth, and he said, If the ministration of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious... If a creation of a human being is glorious, how much more glorious is that that's brought about by grace? How much more glorious is the second birth? What about the wisdom? What about the knowledge? What about a friend that, that, that it's a greater birth? It's a greater birth than a natural birth. It's a greater birth. It's a birth that brings about not just life for 70 years on the average or maybe 74 in the United States today, but it's a birth that brings about eternal and everlasting life. If you and I could praise God in the flesh for a few days, our friend, upon our birth and being brought into the family of God, what praise will there be in eternity? Our friend, we're talking about a greater work. We're talking about a work that is a spiritual work. We're not talking about a natural work. We're not talking about bringing a human being into the king, into the uh, into the world. We're talking about bringing a human being into the kingdom of God. What a work that God has done. So as you think about this, you know, what God is doing is forever. This second birth, uh, there in Second Corinthians, for just, just a thought or two, just think about this. How shall the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? If the ministration of condemnation, and before He said it was death, if that be glorious, how much does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory? 
Even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. So I'll say this. How does 70 years compare to eternity? How does my life in the flesh and all that I am, all that I can do, all of my knowledge, all of my intellect, all of my praise, how will that compare to what will happen in heaven? You talk about another birth. My God, what a birth that we're talking about. What a birth. So let's try to stay with me, if you will, just a few minutes. My substance was not hid from you. My frame, my bone, that wasn't hid from you, Lord. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. So he likens the womb. I don't say this any way to be hurtful, but the womb has been the grave of many child, hasn't it? But God's work is done in the lowest parts of the earth. When I think of this, I can think of no place any lower than a man's heart. Just a few verses. You bear with me. Just a few verses. Let's go Jeremiah very first. The Bible says this, "...the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked." Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins. See, that's the same word we had over here, isn't it? The same word. I try the heart. I search the heart. I try the reins. And to give, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. So if you would turn... uh, We read this in Genesis this morning, that every imagination of a man's heart is continually evil. From his youth. But you know, I read something greater than that. If you want to turn back with me, turn back to the book of the 58th chapter of the Psalms and listen to these words. You talk about a dark place. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Now what about that? The wicked are estranged. When does man separate himself from God? From the very womb. When man comes into the world, he separates himself from God. How can it be that the first works out of a child is a lie? How can it be that the first words out of a child are lies? And I don't mean that literally, the first words, but you know that I'm telling you the truth. The Bible says that man, the wicked, are estranged, separated from God to go away. You know what man wants to do? You ask little Johnny, did you do that? What's the first thing he does? He goes away from the truth. He goes away from the the gospel. He goes away from what's right. He goes away from the very truth of God. He goes away from what's good, what's right, what's upright. That's his nature. That's the condition of the heart of man. Oh, preacher, that's not the low place. It certainly is. There's no lower place. Look with me to Matthew chapter number 15. You don't believe it's a low place? Look to Matthew chapter 15 and listen to these words. They're talking about the Pharisees are saying, well, you didn't wash your hands and, and you're dirty and you're unclean before God. But listen to what the Lord Jesus said. The Lord Jesus said, do you not understand verse 17? 15, 17. 15, 17. Whatsoever entereth the mouth goeth into the belly and cast out into the draught. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile the man. Look what comes out of man. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. There's the heart of man. And you know what God's doing? God's doing a work in the lowest place that there is on the face of the earth. God is doing a work in the heart of man. How wonderful. 
You talk about the climax of God Almighty being around us, being in control, the providence of God. My, my, this is it. This is the greatness of God. He, 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 he says to us also, Thou was made, I was made in secret. I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the... So there's that knitting. There's that knitting together. So what does man need? Man needs, according to what Greg read to us this morning, man needs a new heart, doesn't he? I mean, man's got a corrupt heart. Man's got a heart that's void of God. Man has got a heart that hates God. You may say, oh no preacher, that's not me. According to the Bible, that's you and that's me and that's every one of us. Uh, that man's mouth is like an open sepulcher. Uh, that man hates God. Man is at enmity with God. Man wants to get away from God. You mentioned God and I tell you what people will do. Uh, they'll turn their head and walk away from you when you mention God. That's the condition of the man heart. Of the heart of a man is the darkest place there is on the face of the earth. There's no lower place than the heart of a man. I believe with all of my heart this is exactly what the psalmist is really saying. I understand this. I understand there's a natural picture. But is the, does he not have a spiritual picture he's trying to get across? We can see the natural picture, but what He wants us to do is see the condition of the spiritual picture. He wants us to see the work of God in the low places of the heart. When did God begin? <laughs> well, you tell me when He began. Before the foundation of the world, He began. You may not like that, but I tell you, this is it. It's a work by the Word. I was made in secret. When I was made in secret, not when I was being made, when I was made. Is God going to start a work and quit? No, ma'am. No, sir. I read in the book of Philippians, I believe it is, He that began a good work in you shall, uh, shall accomplish it, shall bring it to fruition, shall uh, bring it to the end. I'm not quoting that exactly right, but this is the Bible. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought. Again, there's that needlework. There's that knitting together. The lowest parts of the earth. <laughs> I tell you something, friend. You can't cut my arm off without getting nerves, muscle, bone. You can't separate that from getting sinew, tendons. You can't separate it. God's doing the work. Let me tell you this. That when God begins to do a work, He does a complete work. He's not doing a partial work. You cannot separate this. Just as though you can't separate man, his nervous system, his circulatory system, his muscle system, his skeletal system. You can't separate those. A friend, I tell you, you can't uh, take those apart. You're unable. You can't rent it. It's just like that garment that was woven together of a needlework for him, the high priest. That's the work of God in the whole man. He's doing a work in the whole man. You can't go in there and pull a thread out. You can't do it. Well, preacher, it's white and it's linen and it's blue and it's purple. It's got all of that in it and you can't separate them either. You can't separate them. It's a woven work. It's a needlework. It's all intertwined together. God is knitting it all together. Is He in control of all of it? You better believe He is in control of all of it. You think all means all? I'll tell you right here, all means the whole man. Right here means God is doing all the work. In secret. 
in secret. <laughs> I tell you, it's amazing to me that God is working all things to bring me. I look back at my life and I see God working all things to bring me to a job on a Monday morning with a man who knew God, who spoke to me, and God through that man's words brought conviction on me. Uh, before you could blink your eye, I knew I was lost and going to hell. God was working all things to bring me to that. You know who I went to work for? I went to work for a man that my daddy worked for at Mission Hospital years before. How could that have happened? It was the work of God. It was the work of God. Because He knew my dad, He offered me a job. That was the reason that I got to be called that morning to go to that job. It was the working. It was God knitting it all together. God was doing that work. Can you look back? I don't want you to... I don't want you to lose where we're at here, but can you look back and see how God was knitting it all together? Can you see that? So it says here, a hidden work. A work. I believe you could say this. Naturally speaking, there was a work going on. No idea what color the hair was going to be. No idea how long the fingers were going to be. What their hands were, their hands going to be short, stubby, long, slender, what they were going to be. And if you, if you didn't go through the science today and through ultrasounds and all that, you wouldn't know whether you were going to be getting a boy or a girl, would you? You wouldn't know any of that. You, you, wouldn't, know what, you wouldn't know what their face would look like, whether they would be fair skin, dark skin, freckles, or red hair, black hair, blonde hair, no hair. You had no idea about any of that. It was a work of God that was soon to be revealed. You see, God's doing all of this work. God's doing all of this work secret. God's doing all of this work. Not even, not even the one that the child is being born, not even that one, she doesn't even know what it's going to be until it's revealed. You see, God is doing this work. Secret work, according to verse number 15... My substance was not hid from thee when I was made, made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. So man needs a new heart, doesn't he? Man needs a work of God. I, I, I'd like to read, read to you out of the book of Ephesians, just maybe just one verse. Listen to this. Maybe more than one verse, but one thought. He says this, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. Verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship. What's God doing? I tell you, God's doing a work. God's doing a work in the heart of man. God's doing a work. Now listen to how the Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10. For we are His workmanship. That word means the product. Created in Christ Jesus. That means the proprietor. The proprietor a ship of a manufacturer. What's God doing? I tell you, God's manufacturing something. God is bringing something into being. God is bringing a life. God is bringing something uh, to life. And you know something? A friend, until that baby comes through the birth canal, a friend that is brought out of the mother's womb, I tell you, we don't know what it's going to be. But I know this. God knows what it's going to be. God knows what it's going to be to start with. He's the proprietor. He's the manufacturer. You and I are the friend. We are the product that God reveals. Now, you reckon He just did that happenstance? There is no such thing as chance. You know, probably youngs have seen it. 
Here's a car in a ditch up here next to FN's. You might say, well, that, that was just by chance. That was not by chance. It's not by chance that that, it's not by chance that that car is sitting on its side there and not flipped over. That's not by chance. Oh, there's abundance of reasons that that car is sitting there. It's the work of God that you're sitting here today. It's the work of God. It's not by chance. No, I tell you, that Bible, the Word of God said, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God, now listen, which God hath before ordained, made ready beforehand that we should walk in them. <laughs> What's God doing? <laughs> I tell you, friend, when God begins to do this work, God has already got a product in mind. God has already, uh, you know, I'm not going. I'm not going to go out here today and 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 and, and get a load of block delivered and, and cement and, and and mortar mix and, and gravel and start building a house without a plan. God Almighty has got a plan. Uh, God has a plan. And let me tell you this: in the mind of God, He sees the finished product before He ever stops. That's the way it works, folks. He hath declared to announce. God has announced the end from the beginning. As far back as I can go is to the beginning. In the beginning. Right? That's as far as we can go backward. But before the beginning, before that, God declared the end. <laughs> Where was God? Now, now think with me. I'm not talking about my beginning. Where was God's beginning? How far back can you go? You can never get to the end of it, can you? So God, God declared... Wrought in the lowest part. So man, man's in need of a new heart. So let's read where Greg read this morning. Greg read to us in, a, in Ezekiel chapter 36. Who's doing this work according to the Word of God? Then will I, verse 25, sprinkle clean water upon you. You shall be clean from all your filthiness. From all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. Now what's the condition of man? The, the heart's the lowest thing there is on the face of the earth, and there is where God does His work. You know what you might do? You might work on my flesh and reform me. I do what God's going to do. God's going to go down to the source. God is going to the springhead. Now, God is going to the place where all decisions, all thoughts, all affection, God's going to the place where every decision that you make comes out of, God's going to the heart. He said, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to take away the stony heart and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. So, man needs a new heart. Also, in, in the, that same book, in 11.19, 11.19 in the book of Ezekiel, very similar, and I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and give them a heart of flesh. I will give them, you see that? I will give them, do we all have the same heart? If you're saved, you do. <coughs> if you're saved, you all have the same transformation. We've all been birthed into the family of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. His offering on the cross of Calvary brought us to a place uh, that we wanted, desired. L listen, here's something very important. Jeremiah chapter number 24. 
Jeremiah 29 is very similar to what we're reading right now. That man is going to get a new heart. But listen to Jeremiah chapter 24. Jeremiah chapter 24. This is what the Bible says. Verse 4. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans for their good. You know what God did. God was doing the work in my heart. God was bringing me into captivity. God was bringing me into bondage. God was bringing me out of my comfort zone. God was bringing me to a place that was foreign to me. God was bringing me there that I would desire and long. And you know why He brought me there? You know why He brought me down? You know why He brought me into captivity? He did all of that that He could do me good. God's knitting it all together in the lowest part of the earth. In the heart of man, God is bringing it all together. Bear with me just another minute or two. I really don't want to hurry a lot, but I don't want to wear you out either. So just a little farther. So let's think about this. So the Word of God says, Thine eye, verse 16. Thine eye did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. So I believe you would notice in your Bible my members that's added by the translator. Look at verse number 17. Maybe it will help clear this. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me. O God, how great the sum of them. What, What this should say. What it should get to. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. God, You saw me. You saw me rolled up. You saw me as an embryo unformed. You saw me as shapeless. You saw me as void. You saw me, oh God, when I didn't look like there was anything. You saw me when I was in that condition that I was absolutely unrecognizable. When God saw the world, how did He see it? When He looked and the darkness was upon the face of the deep. That's the way God saw you and I. So we could read it like this. Your eye saw my unformed substance. And in thy book... So God's got a book. He's writing it so we can understand it. In thy book, in your book were written even all the days that you ordained for me, whither as yet there was none. You might disagree and you might have a problem. But you go to your computer today, tonight, tomorrow. Get that, get that verse out and read that verse in 15, 20 different translations. And you will see I'm telling you right. What is the psalmist talking about? God, You've seen me when I was nothing. You've seen me when I was absolutely nothing. And Lord, in Your book, is written every day of my life. As of right now, when you're looking at me, there's none of those days. But God in your book, every day of my life is written down. 
You've planned it. You ordained it. You formed it. You set it in order. You made it to happen. You knit it all together. God, You're the one that brings all of this about. It's You, oh God. In Your book is written my life. So just think with me for a little. In the book, in this book, who is He? In Hebrews chapter 12, we read this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author, that's the beginner, the author and the finisher of our faith. So I ask you this. If you wrote a book, if you wrote a book, if you wrote a book, are you in charge of everything that's in that book? You know who Jesus is? He is the author, the beginner, and the finisher of our faith. He's the one that wrote the book. And don't forget this, that that Word of God wonderfully, marvelously distinguished. You've got a life that's distinguished from other people. Your life is distinguished and God has wrote every page of every day. He knows it from the beginning to the end. Job said, I'd like to die, but God won't let me loose. Don't you know that God had all of that weaved together? Before Job was ever formed in his mother's womb. So the Word of God, how precious. Thine eyes have seen my my substance. Yet being unperfect, yet being shapeless, the the earth was void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Ten weeks of growth, one inch long, a human being. God's doing that work in the dark. God's putting our lives together in the dark. In what kind of a dark place? In the heart of men. No darker place, no lower place than the heart of a man. No more wickedness, no more ungodliness, no more adulteries, no more adulteries, no more idolatry, no more fornication, no more murder, no more lying ever comes from out of the heart of man. That's where it comes from. God's doing a work there. You know, I thought about this. Maybe you don't think much of it. But I tell you, we're talking about a place that does not want God in it. Isn't that true? So I looked this up this morning. Immunosuppressants. Immunosuppressants. You know what that is? Anti-rejection drugs. Somebody's going to get a kidney. Somebody's going to get a liver. You know what they're going to do? They're going to give them immunosuppressants. They're going to try to suppress the immune system of that individual that that kidney will not be rejected. Do you know what God's working in? God's not working in a man and a woman that loves one another. God's not working in a healthy woman with a healthy uh, uterus and and healthy ovaries and a man that's uh, fertile. Uh, He's working in a place that is absolutely in rejection of the work of God. God is wanting to put something in you that is foreign to you. It's going to take something to overcome that rejection. It's going to take the work of the Holy Spirit of God working on your heart, working in your mind, working on every part of you that you would be receptive out of what God is putting in you. You just cut your finger off. Cut your finger off. Critical. The time from you cut it off till the time you get it cold. Critical. Critical. The time you got it cold until the time that they reattach it. Critical. What's the problem? Why would my finger reject my own finger? The time of separation. 
How long has man been separated from God? How long have you been separated from God? What's the likelihood of you coming to God after your extended period of separation? It's absolutely impossible with man. It's not impossible with God. <laughs> They're going to attach the finger back. You know what the most critical thing of all is? Blood flow. Blood flow. They may very well put leeches, leeches on my finger to cause those leeches to draw the blood. They call it a wound back today. They probably got away from leeches in most instances. But maybe we've got a critical situation and it seems as though we're in a place, let me ask you this, can, can the doctor put a wound back on a man's heart? We're in, a, we're in a place where it's going to take the work of God, aren't we? Here's the climax, folks, of God being providential. Of God being the worker in all things. So just, just another thought about attaching that. that, that, that the, uh, also this. They won't let you have any ice. No ice. I mean my finger. No ice. We're not talking about my heart. We're not talking about my lungs. We're not talking about you chop my arm off. We're talking about my finger. No ice. We need you to be as hot as possible without having a fever that the blood flows better. And we want you to keep your finger, that implantation, whatever it might be, we want you to keep that above your heart. So the blood will flow. So, God's working in a place of rejection. <laughs> That's right. You talk about something foreign. You talk about a foreign body, a foreign thought, a foreign spirit, the heart of man. Everything that is from God is foreign to man. But God, God said, I am going to bring you to birth. God said, I am going to overcome that rejection. I'm going to bring you to a place. He took Egypt. He took Israel down to Babylon. And you know what He did it for? He did it for their good. He brought them in captivity. He brought them under bondage. He brought them under suppression. He brought trouble. He brought sorrow. He brought affliction. He brought trouble in the heart. He brought man to a place that man wanted to be saved. When did God begin that? <laughs> oh, I tell you, when we were absolutely unrecognizable the Word of God said, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being imperfect, shapeless, a shapeless embryo. And in Thy book, and in Thy book, in Your book were written every day of my life. In Your book were written every day. And if you don't believe that, you put this with it. How precious are thy thoughts unto me. Lord, how precious. You know what he's doing? The word there means this, to squeeze into shape. What is God doing? I tell you, it's a picture of clay. It's a picture of Jeremiah putting the, uh, the clay and the, the potter putting the clay back on the wheel. God Almighty is doing a work and friend, that work is in secret and that work is hidden to man and that work man doesn't even realize it's going on until the birth pains come and God begins to bring forth a finished work. Finished work. Is God going to finish? How precious, how weighty, O God, are all thy thoughts to squeeze into shape. O God, how great is the sum of them. How great is God's working in all of your life. Now, now, now think. Don't just, don't just let this fly by you. How precious are all thy thoughts. Are, are, are thy thoughts unto me? How great is the sum of them? If I should count them, 
They are more in number than the sand. When I wake, I am still with thee. I ask you this. Could you count the grains of sand in that 20-ounce cup? I don't believe you could do it. So God's thoughts are not that God is going to work ever now and then in my life. God is going to be working in my life on a day uh, 10,322. No, I tell you, it is a continuous. See that word of continuance in there? It's a duration. God is working before the foundation of the world. And friend, that work will be going on and that work will never end. When I think about your thoughts, your, 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 your plan for me, uh, Lord, how, what you have planned for me for this day, when I think about it, Lord, and I think about the number, they're more than the sand of the sea. I cannot, it is absolutely infinite to me. One more little thought. The sparrows. Every hair on your head is numbered. Is numbered. And there's not a sparrow that falls to the ground. Not only without God knowing it, without God causing it. Are you not worth more than many sparrows? 10th chapter of Matthew, I believe. Can you see the climax of God's work in your life? How wonderful the workings of God.